Good evening, everyone. Friends, uh, in our uh, first reading, uh, the prophet, uh, there is a miraculous food uh, which the prophet uh, Elisha gave to hungry people. And that became, using John's word, a sign um, of God's uh, goodness and concern for his people. St. Paul, uh, speaking to the Ephesians, and uh, um, he's asking them to live the life in accord with the gospel and uh, placing a very strong emphasis on the need for unity and harmony. And uh, we see from our, our gospel um, there's another feeding, if you will, happening that you know, kind of parallels with uh, our first reading. Um, my friends, for the next four Sundays, we will hear uh, from uh, John's gospel. And uh, John has no account of what we as Roman Catholics know as the institution of the Eucharist um, that is found in the other one, uh, the other three gospels. But John's, all of John's gospel, and certainly this chapter, uh, has more, more than compensates for the difference uh, with the synoptics. Uh, Gospels. The miracle described in this first reading shows, as I said, God's concern uh, for people during a time of famine. Uh, so God certainly is concerned about their soul, but he was concerned about their body at that time. And uh, the bread in question was the bread of the first fruits, uh, if you read the whole chapter, which was meant to be offered to God, but in the people. And uh, the leftovers stresses God's generosity. Like Elisha, Jesus, the prophet of the New Covenant, feeds hungry people and does so even more astonishingly. Uh, there are clear Eucharistic overtones in the way uh, the miracle is related. Jesus took the loaves. He gives them to the people. Such a language is meant to remind us of what he did at the Last Supper also. And uh, what happens every time we, we celebrate the Eucharist. And uh, even though... Uh, both these accounts from the Old Testament and from the Gospel of John, the feedings are miraculous. There is an essential human element in each one of them. And uh, without it, uh, the sign is impossible. Uh, John uses the word sign. So um, the sign given in this first uh, reading of John uh, gives way to Jesus' great discourse on the bread of life that will come in the coming weeks as we follow the Scriptures. Again, all four Gospels put forth the event of the multiplication of the loaves and fish. This indicates that it is a very powerful event that has happened with Jesus. And it is for us um, Catholics a foreshadowing of the Eucharist. Uh, but it also, as I said, contains elements uh, that apply to uh, all aspects of our life. And uh, this we find in three details uh, from this miracle well, John calls them signs. The first detail is found in the contrast between the two apostles, Philip and Andrew. Philip is overwhelmed by the great number of people. He imagines that nothing can be done to feed them. Andrew, meanwhile, points uh, to a few loaves and fish that a young man has, a boy, in the crowd. And he brings them and presents them to Jesus. And, you know, and he says, well, we, he has those, but I don't know what good that's going to be. So my friends, when we look at those two apostles, uh, Philip, 
we can be intimidated uh, by seemingly many challenges that face us in this world, but if we want to point it to the church, and uh, some put forth that the world is uh, too complex, too secular, too uninterested uh, in the message of Jesus Christ. We have the other one, Andrew, uh, where we can give the Lord what we have and let the Lord take it from there. Sometimes folks doubt the ability of simple things, their simple gifts that they possess. And my friends, I was looking at um, our world continues to become more and more advanced, uh, if you will, in technology. And um, the simple gifts, however, of friendship and care and conversation and prayer are still the most treasured, uh, well, at least for us Christians, right? Um, technology and virtual realities and social media can never replace the power of the human person, their touch and the interaction. And certainly we have been seeing this with the pandemic as everyone was quarantined and had to hibernate, if you will, and stay locked up. And more and more people are saying, Father, you know, you know, especially when I said no more, no more live streaming of the mass. <gasps> no, you got to come and come and sit in the pew now, and uh, I will wear your mask if, you, if that makes you feel better. Uh, but uh, most people said, uh, I watched the mass, Father, uh, every Sunday, but it wasn't the same. Absolutely, it's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same as being present. Um, the second detail is found uh, for John in the barley loaves uh, that Jesus uses to feed the many people. Only St. John mentions uh, barley, these barley loaves, when he says it twice to be sure that uh, he has gotten the attention of the reader. Uh, and these loaves made of barley, that was uh, the grain of the poor people. Uh, kings didn't eat that. And... Um, I thought, all right, how do I relate that? Because I always try and relate everything today. And uh, um, our often parishes spend a, a great deal of the money you give us on programs for evangelization and spiritual growth and parish renewal. And those are very good things. And the amount of funds spent cannot replace, however, the power of the catechist and them speaking and testifying on behalf of Jesus Christ. I can... You know, there are some parishes, because there's so few people, they actually, uh, when it's time for, you know, when you want to have a baptism, you have to take a baptism class, and they stick in a DVD and turn it on and say, now you watch this, and I'll be back in 40 minutes. <laughs> you know, and the person comes back, and, and uh, you know, when there's no one else to do it, I suppose, but it's not the same as when the catechist is interacting with the family who's, who wants the baptism, and draws things out, and the, and, those, and the folks are able to ask. You can't ask the TV that question. I guess you can ask Alexa lots of things, but I don't think she's going to be able to answer anything about baptism. <laughs> Maybe Alexa will say, go see Father Mark. He will tell you <laughs> and get Carver, huh? <laughs> so we look at the funds that we spend, and we, ha we have to. I mean, there's this balance, and, uh, but it never replaces. It can never replace the power of witness and testimony uh, of people and true conversion and prayerful hearts of the people. Uh, these things cannot be purchased and uh, they cannot be ordered uh, from Amazon. And uh, I bring that because everyone orders from Amazon. Um, 
but sometimes the scope of such programs can make what we have uh, to add seem like the barley lows. Well, I'd rather have this expensive program rather than that catechist talking to me. But in truth, friends, the parish comes to renewal as people actually live the Gospels and, uh, uh, every day. And lasting evangelization, the kind that takes root, uh, occurs through the example of individual holiness of people and of their lives lived. And that's why when I came to you as your pastor, what is your vision? Uh, my vision is for this parish enough, because we have a hard time with that. But if we can get that, everything else comes into place. All the other things begin to work. So my friends, um, when people see this, uh, and uh, it's our parish, but those who visit, um, and you can talk to my staff about that, because they talk to them. They, it's hard to get a hold of me. You can't just walk into the office and say, let me see the priest, because uh, I'm usually busy. Uh, so they talk to the staff, and the visitors often say, um, there's a warmth about your parish. And I'm not talking about the, the welcoming. Um, they said there's a warmth, the, the Holy Spirit. There are people, are, are, uh, even in the midst of the pandemic, uh, they're kind. And uh, uh, they were very inviting. And, and as they go down through the list, I'm like, holiness? Holiness. Holiness. That's holiness you're describing. That's part of it. Uh, and so they're very complimentary of our parish, uh, that we have uh, kind and generous people, but when the steps mean holy people, yes, that, that. And uh, so they leave our parish after visiting with that, and I'm grateful uh, for that. But as I, you know, as I said, nothing can ever replace the power of that individual witness, uh, testimony, and uh, that life lived, and they can see it. Whatever else that is enacted to enhance parish life we should not forget the barley lows of this type of living holiness. And this is something that we all have to give Christ. The third detail is found in Jesus' instruction to gather the leftover fragments. What is not used today perhaps will be used tomorrow. What we give the Lord is never wasted, but is gathered into his plans. Perhaps words we say to another today may have an impact on their life later. Compassion and care one shows towards somebody may emerge like beautiful flashbacks years later. Even when our efforts to reach another seem in vain, uh, we never know when those seemingly unused fragments will provide nourishment for another's spiritual growth. So this great sign, as John calls it, of Jesus, told by John, speaks to us on many levels. And uh, in the work of the church and in our life, we can be like Philip, paralyzed by the scope of the work to be done, or we can be like Andrew, handing to Jesus what we do have, and said, do with it what you can then. And in our mission as church and in our life, uh, we can be tempted to let just the programs and whatnot uh, replace the barley loaves of that holiness and that sincere living and that testimony of our very people living and breathing here. Whatever we do for the Lord uh, is gathered by him for use now or for later according to his timetable, according to his holy will. One of the overlooked messages coming out of this great sign is not only about what Jesus gives us, but what we can give him to use. 
for the glory of God, his Father. One lesson from this sign is to give our Lord what we have. He will work holy signs with it. Growing as his disciples means that there will come a time when we will um, no longer only be on the receiving end of the relationship with God. We will be called to enter into a deeper type of relationship, and uh, it will be more reciprocal. And uh, through Jesus, it's always easier to be a member of the crowd receiving things. But the time will come when he will make, in my words, his demand on you. Here is what I need from you. And uh, believe me, just do it. Don't do what Father Mark did and run away from him for years. Because <laughs> he will just be ahead of you anyway and get what he wants in the end. So just give it to him. Just um, give him what he... And um, some people think they have nothing. I see that often, especially when I go visit folks um, towards the, what we call the twilight years of their life. And they say, I, I don't know why I'm still here. I have nothing to give. You have a beating heart. You have love to give. And that is the greatest treasure ever. You have that love. Amen? <laughs>